by digitalizing the profiles of the athletes and teams and enriching them with lots of additional data, um, we have the opportunity to match that against the marketing objective of the brand. So that helps us to identify ideal sponsorships. This is the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast, showcasing outstanding startups and initiatives in the global sports tech ecosystem. From Sports Tech X, the leading source for data and insights about sports tech. Here is your host, Benjamin Pinker. So, hi everyone. This is Benjamin from Sports Tech X. Today, I have the pleasure to talk to Andreas from Sponsu. Sponsu is a marketplace for sports sponsorship and connects sponsors with thousands of athletes and clubs of more than 300 different sports. First of all, I want to welcome Andreas to the show and uh, let him introduce himself. Hi, Andreas. Hi, Benjamin. Um, nice being here. Yeah, I'm Andreas Kitzing. I founded Sponsu. Five years ago, uh, I'm a big sports fan, so that's also the reason why we came up with this idea. Yeah, and other than that, I'm 33 years old uh, from Hamburg and, well, at the moment, obviously talking to you from home. <laughs> Great, yeah. Uh, challenging times. Uh, everybody's at home. Uh, same here, uh, sitting between laundry and my bed, but <laughs> I, actually nobody can see that, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> All right. Then let's talk a bit about Sponsu. I've uh, seen you pitch uh, before, I think twice already. Uh, I like the company and uh, so it's good to uh, finally talk about it on the podcast show. Uh, so maybe it would be best to describe which problem you're actually solving and how actually you are solving it. So in a nutshell, we are making sponsorships more efficient by digitalizing it. And uh, we have two target groups because sponsorships always something that happens between two parties. And so we're solving different problems for both of them. So for the first target group for athletes, teams, clubs, associations, and sports event, we're solving the simple problem that they're not having enough sponsorships. Mm -hmm. If you're an athlete or team yourself, you will probably always want to have more sponsorships. And that's something that we can help you with. For brands, it's a little bit more difficult and there are actually different challenges for different brands. So some brands are really striving to identify the ideal sponsorships, want to have something that is really, really targeted and uh, in a very large sports market, it's tough to identify which sponsorship is best. So that's something that we help with. And other brands um, are uh, more looking into the process and uh, have, for example, a standardized sponsorship right banner on the website or something that they want to book with at lots of different clubs or athletes. And uh, for them, it's important that the process is really efficient. That's also something that we can help. And finally, for all of the parties, uh, we are trying to measure the reach of sponsorships. and the, So how many people have you reached and uh, the success of the sponsorship measures and provide tools digitally uh, to do that. Yeah, and we do all that by digitalizing it. So by digitalizing the marketplace, we are giving athletes and teams a chance to be visible to more sponsors. By digitalizing the profiles of the athletes and teams and enriching them with lots of additional data, um, we have the opportunity to 
match that against the marketing objective of the brand. So that helps us to identify ideal sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And by digitalizing the process, we're making it more efficient and streamlined. So it just takes a couple of clicks and uh, yeah, it's it's much, much faster than the feedback offer. Cool. So how can I imagine this when uh, if I'm an athlete mm-hmm. um, and I'm, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, sure, I, I need obviously more uh, sponsorship money. Yeah. Uh, what do I have to do? I, I go to a platform, I, I register and what happens then? Um, yeah, exactly. That's the first step. You go to sponsor.com, you register your sponsorship profile. Uh, we'll ask you for information that is relevant for us and for our brands. Um, and we'll then enrich your profile with additional data. So, for example, we have information on different locations. So, at least in uh, many European areas, we know how many many people live in your area. So, if it's urban or rural, we uh, measure your reach on social media. And um, we have lots of information about the sport. So, our system, not only we, also our system database, knows, for example, that beach volleyball is connected with image values such as uh, summer, outdoor, um, and uh, hockey, ice hockey is probably more indoor or winter. So that's the first step. Based on that, um, we suggest your profile or other profiles to sponsors. And if the sponsor is interested in working together with you, they will reach out to you in three different ways and you will then get notified and if a sponsorship comes together uh, you can book it online understand just just one more question on um on the process you said um your your software does the job of realizing what what sports an athlete is in what additional data points there are yeah. uh, does it happen automatically then or is there some some manual work needed um at the moment there is still some manual work needed so um it's kind of a semi-automatic process mm-hmm. at the moment we're working on fully automating it so we have all the data in the system and we automatically ask for collecting this data from both parties so also the sponsor onboarding is fully digital cool. but to really create a match we uh, need to look into the system ourselves so it's all there in the back end but in the front end so what the user sees Uh, we still uh, need some manual work um, in order to make suggestions. You can, as a sponsor, you can use filters uh, to identify sponsorships that are interesting, um, but it's not yet proposition-based. So that's the next step that you don't need to click yourself. Yeah. And the system actually makes propositions which sponsorships are good for you. And this part is currently still done by our sales team understand and uh, yeah you already hinted at it that there are three ways uh, a sponsor can uh, get in touch with uh, a prospect yeah. connected to the next question what is your business model how, how do you make money i guess that's connected to the, those three ways right um kind of yeah actually in all the <laughs> in in all three ways we we charge a commission of 20 percent. yeah and it's important to say that we charge this to the athlete or team so the sponsor basically pays the same amount for the sponsorship that they would pay offline. Yeah. They have additional advantages that they probably spend it better because they identify better sponsorships, have an easier process, and we also help them to manage the sponsorship afterwards. So it's the same amount of money and you get additional service, which I think is quite cool. Absolutely. And the athlete or team 
does earn a little bit less, but on the other hand, they get uh, the sponsorship kind of provided on a silver platter and just need to say yes or no. Or, um, and that comes through the process, renegotiate. So you can book sponsorships in three ways as a sponsor. The most straightforward one is um, if the prospect has already entered a standardized sponsorship package. So for example, they can say, hey, a shirt sponsorship costs 10,000 euros with, your, with our team. The sponsor can just buy it as it is. Can say, okay, 10,000 euros is fine. Okay, I accept that. Click, 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 click. And then the sponsor uh, has bought the sponsorship with the one additional loop that the team then still needs to confirm that they can work together with this exact sponsor. I understand, yeah. The second way, the sponsor can also take the same sponsorship and renegotiate it. So they could, for example, say, hey, I don't want to pay 10,000 euros. I just want to pay 8,000 or, okay, 10,000 euros is fine, but I want two social media shout outs as well. Um, so, and then this goes back and forth until one party accepts the proposal of the other, and then it's in the rest of the process. And the third way, the sponsor can also make a uh, customized uh, sponsorship suggestion themselves and say, hey, I don't find anything there in your sponsor packages, but I imagine doing this and I'd be willing to pay this and that. And then again, it goes back and forth in the negotiation until you reach a, a conclusion. Cool. Just one question on this. Um, do both parties ever jump on a phone call or do they meet um, to discuss things? Is that is that something you observe? I don't know if you can even tell that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm wondering if, if everything just happens via, I don't know, your platform or messages or is there any other communication involved? No, they actually, well, meet at the moment not that much. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but especially for... <laughs> Especially for larger sponsorships, this still happens. And from medium-sized sponsorships onwards, usually at least they have a call at some point. And that's something that we that we actually really encourage. So uh, by digitalizing the, using the process, we don't want to take out the personal interaction. We don't want to replace it. We want to supplement it with our solution. And as far as we can see, that actually works quite well. Nice. I like it. Understand. I think uh, it's, it's uh, good to hear what you do. And I think it makes a lot of sense to, to supplement that process and make things easier for both parties. Um, coming to what you've already achieved. So is there something that you would call your biggest success or some metrics and success stories that you can share? Yeah, <laughs> I think basically the biggest success is that we're still there after nearly five and a half years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, the idea, even though we came up with the idea ourselves, but it's it's not brand new. So when we had the idea, we checked online and there were some others that were trying the same thing, but we didn't like the implementation. So we gave it a shot. We definitely got much, much, much farther than anyone else ever before. We really needed lots of patience to build a marketplace. Um, in terms of KPIs, some KPIs that we're really proud of and that we can publicly share. Uh, first, the business we're doing with existing customers. The thing that we're really proud of is that the existing customers are so happy with our sponsorships that in each of the last five years, we have made more money from existing customers than in the year before. Oh, wow. So they tend to prolong their, their sponsorship contracts. And usually book some more in addition to that. And this additional business is more uh, 
than the few sponsorships that don't get prolonged. It's, this is really cool. That's KPI number one and KPI number two. So in the first couple of years, we hardly sold anything in the first two or three years. But uh, in the last two and a half years, we grew really, really fast. So um, two and a half, three times, four times the revenue we did the year before. And um, yeah, well, I think that's, uh, that's quite an achievement. And our team can be proud to have achieved that. And we hope that we can continue at least more or less in the same direction in the future. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good job done there. I mean, um, especially the first KPI you've mentioned is probably one of the best you can have if you are a sponsorship marketplace. And if you continue to grow at that speed, uh, that's that's really good. Cool. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> at the moment, at least everybody learns about exponential growth. So uh, in a negative context. Yeah. Um, but people, I think, now have a better idea how an exponential growth looks like. And even if you start from a low base, such as we did, if you keep doubling or tripling your revenues every couple of years, uh, something that can grow really large. And if I look at all the KPIs and how it's developing, also how it's developing internationally, um, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't continue growing exponentially. Stay up to date with all things sports tech and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get a monthly breakdown of the most important developments in the global sports tech ecosystem, paired with exclusive interviews with industry leaders. Get all of this and more delivered directly to your inbox. Sign up today at sportstechx.com. Yeah, and uh, that's actually a good connection to the to the next topic that we're about to to cover, exponential growth. Yeah, unfortunately, we see that in the current uh, COVID nineteen situation. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a bit about uh, challenges uh, in these days. Um, you've written a very uh, good article about how you have been affected and the, the measures that you've taken. So I really enjoyed that one. Thanks. So I think it's definitely worth sharing with uh, the sports tech world on yeah, a, a, how that affected you and B, the measures that you've taken. So maybe let's start with the first one. So how is the sponsorship marketplace affected by the coronavirus situation? Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's several things. So let's speak about the most obvious one first. Currently, there is no live sports happening. Um, yeah. And most sponsorships have some connections or connection to live sports, which means that currently no one is booking any of these conventional sponsorships. Uh, no one is currently booking a parameter ad for the current season or even for the next season because they don't know when the season is going to happen. We had prepared a last sales push uh, for our Olympic athletes, but well, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah going to uh, have to need uh, to wait another year as well. Um, so that's obviously difficult in terms of of sales, and also some of the current sponsorships can't be realized in the way that they were planned. So we need to be creative. The solution to that uh, is usually to be uh, to be creative um, and to try to switch the sponsorship a little bit to a new one that is slightly slightly different and still makes both parties happy so for example um all these conventional sponsorships that we currently have it's really tough to sell new ones but the ones that we currently have we just try to extend the contract duration 
so it would have terminated on June 30th at the end of the season. Uh, we just prolong it and usually both parties are happy. How else does it affect us? Um, so no one is buying these conventional sponsorships anymore. So two things we did. First of all, we fo we're focusing more on stuff that still works. One of that is, for example, sports influencer marketing. So actually, if I look here in my browser window, I see that I have three WhatsApp messages, and that's for a really cool influencer marketing deal that we're currently trying to close with uh, some international athletes. Cool. And the second thing that we're doing, and for us, actually, that's by far the most important one. We are just starting a campaign that allows brands to book sponsorships now uh, with athletes and teams that are really affected by the situation, are struggling financially. So it's kind of a little bit of goodwill. Mm -hmm. Like I'm committing myself as a brand now, despite these times, to do a sponsorship. The brands can select what kind of sponsorship they would offer. Um, so, for example, they can select, yeah, I want to do influencer marketing or shirt sponsorship is fine for me and then we just it, it then starts whenever the season starts then they can select if it's for teams or for athletes um, how many sponsorships they would offer and then this is put into a list and on the other side we uh, collect uh, needs from athletes and teams and um, athletes and teams that are really affected can also uh, signal that they that they need support and we match that um we're really, really curious how this will develop. And um, yeah, for that, it's also, for us, it's about helping. So uh, we also uh, do this at a much, much, much lower commission. So we won't make any profit from that. It's just so that it basically covers our costs. Nice. Uh, is there a specific uh, page for this or is it um, on, on your regular website? How can we find this? Yeah, so um, it will be online on our regular website. You can message. There's kind of like a, this live ticker that uh, moving text that goes from right to left, uh, linking to this page. And yeah. So people should go to sponsu.de um, and they will find it, right? Yes. Or .com for the international version. Uh, even better. Yeah. I was about to ask that. Yeah. Cool. I like it. And I wonder what the effect will be if it's really going to uh, take off. If you will find sponsors who say, yeah, I'm, I'm still committing. I'm still putting it money. So uh, yeah, I wish you all the best for this project. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're, we're really, really curious as well. Even before we launched, uh, we already have one sponsor who said they are in. Um, we just mentioned it in a call with one of our existing clients and they're like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, we're in. Uh, and <laughs> As simple as that. Yeah, I hope it goes. It continues uh, in this direction. And so we talked to some elite athletes and to some teams recently for our own blog. And um, I mean, there's so much need out there. They're like, it's a really, really tough situation. Um, and I mean, for us, I think it's important that everyone thinks what they can do and where they can help. Uh, obviously, if I was a medical professional, my head would be much, much more valuable at the current situation. Yeah. But I'm not a medical professional. So the I can't help with that. And the thing where I can support is uh, with sports and with digital stuff. So that's what we're doing. And I think it's it, it's better than sitting at home and doing nothing. So, I agree. Yeah. 
uh, we hope that we can really, really support people here. Yeah, and uh, the world is struggling on on two uh, sides right now. Uh, first of all, the the health uh, struggle, obviously, uh, yeah. with the crisis, but also a big, big financial one, as you all know. And uh, yeah, even though you're not a medical, uh, you're not a doctor, you're helping on the on the financial, on the economical side. So uh, also very important. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, speaking about challenges, um, I mean, obviously, the financial situation affects us as well. So. We're actually a bit lucky that we just closed uh, some investments literally days before the stock market collapsed. Oh, wow. uh, so <laughs> we're reasonably well off financially now. And it's kind of a bizarre situation because usually as a startup, you're uh, always short on money. <laughs> it's not that we're swimming in money now, but compared to the situation of everyone else, we are, I think we're much better prepared. Um, also, our costs are not that high, so uh, we know already for sure that we will get over this for at least the next one and a half years. But still financially, we see uh, so some of the investments uh, that were not closed at that point uh, were, were canceled, mm -hmm. uh, even at a stage where everything was agreed upon and only the contract was missing, the signature on the contract and then the bank transfer. Mm -hmm. um, on the other side, also... Uh, Some of our customers um, now have much less money, much less revenue and much less marketing budget. So we are also kind of shifting the type of brands that we're talking to and uh, probably need to reach out to much more brands in order to reach the same results. Yeah, of course. Um, harder to get the, the revenue now. Yeah. There's one more thing I wanted to talk to you about um, regarding the Corona situation. Um, mm -hmm. uh, coming back to your article, what I really liked was um, the, the list of seven steps uh, yeah. that probably any startup um, can do to at least try to, to battle this situation. Um, can, you, can you walk us through, if you want all seven of them, uh, if you know them by heart, uh, or just uh, like the major ones? I think that would be really uh, helpful or a good impulse for some of the startups out there. Yeah, let, uh, I think I know them from heart, so I will walk through all seven and then focus on the one or two that I think are most important. Yeah, very cool. So step number one, keep your team safe from Corona. I don't think I need to say much to that because that's basically a no-brainer. Second step, drastically cut down costs. And this goes quite well with the third step, switch to zero-based budgeting. So zero-based budgeting is the idea that all expenses, and I mean all expenses, must be justified anew for each period. So basically you start from a blank slate a blank piece of paper and look at all the costs you have and each of them you justify anew uh, do i really need this em this employee hopefully yes because that's the last thing that you should cut yeah. do i need uh, the server do i need this marketing spend do i need the office it's something for example where we figured hey we currently don't need an office <laughs> we <laughs> All work from home anyway, and the contract, uh, our office contract, coincidentally ran ran out on uh, March 31st. So <laughs> we now don't have any office anymore. We put all our stuff in self storage. So I think that could give you an example. And then if you combine that with heavy cost cutting, you uh, yeah just throw out everything that you don't really, really, really need, and um, that gives you a much more um, healthy situation because step number four fundraising will also get tough 
I already told you that some of our investments didn't go through. Yeah. And my advice for tech startups is you should now take all the money you can get, really everything. So for us as well, I mean, we're still raising because we cut, I mean, we, we didn't reach the full investment target yet that we wanted to raise. Mm -hmm. And because we had to cut expenses, um, I mean, we still have money to invest, but for example, we wanted to hire three new salespersons and now it's down to one and a, one and a half or two. Um, <laughs> okay. And, but we would still like to, to invest more. So we're still fundraising, trying to take all the money we can get. And if it, for example, means that you need to uh, make some compromises on um, the investment terms, yeah, do that. And um, yeah, just take, if money's on the table, take it. I mean, that's a good advice at any time, but um, now you should be even less critically. So for example, our minimum ticket size previously, um, in order to keep our cap, ca cap table clean, we had a minimum investment of 100,000 euros and we just threw that out of the door. And now we take in much more investors, even if we have a, cap table afterwards with many people talking to us whatever it's 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 worth it and your existing investors are okay with this yeah they are fine with that they actually uh, encourage that cool and even uh help us to get additional investments so good thing for us many of the invest existing investors like the development and invested as well so they're still happy about sponsor and obviously they want us to flourish uh, and grow as well so yeah, uh, yeah, they try to help as much as much as possible in this situation. Cool. Um, yeah, maybe the others review your financial and hiring plan. Employ a heavily commission-based sales structure. Mm -hmm. So if this is not the time to pay super high base salaries, it's better if your yeah. uh, salespeople work on a much more success-based uh, wage model. Something that we always had, uh, but that we will still keep focusing on in the future and uh, final piece of advice well this applies uh, always but now even more than uh, usual listen to your customers needs and pivot your business model if necessary that's something that we already did so our customers need clearly uh, told us that currently no one is buying conventional sponsorships anymore so we pivoted to only sell Stuff that still works like digital sponsorship rights, influencer marketing, or conventional sponsorships um, that have this kind of social aspect, but it won't sell without this social aspect combined with it. Frankly, that's not a super large pivot, it's just a small change, but still it's a change. And uh, I mean, we had to throw out the entire sales strategy that we had for this year. None of this stuff works anymore. Yeah, it depends on the business. Um, I mean, sometimes uh, you need some drastic measures like yeah. an entire pivot or even maybe shutting down the company and starting a new one yeah. in, in the most extreme uh, way or yeah, small pivots uh, or smaller pivots like, like you did, depending on, on the company. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like seriously, I'm doing mentorships for some smaller startups and one of the startups is providing a digital service to plan your wedding. So... Oh wow! I mean, yeah. just to give you an example of a startup where definitely much larger pivot is necessary, or as you mentioned, a kind of uh, freeze period where you do nothing, cut all your costs, like literally cut them to zero, and yeah, then try to try a new when the situation gets better, or try a different startup. Because they told me, yeah, we had good business in the beginning, and now 
there's zero business, zero. There's not even anyone asking. So there are no inbound leads, no outbound leads, and obviously no uh, customers that sell uh, that buy anything. Yeah, I like that point. I mean, one one thing um, also could be like really do nothing, take care of yourself, yeah, uh, sleep long, exercise, eat well. Uh, I mean, many entrepreneurs uh, have been have been working a lot over the last years, uh, and and <laughs> we're not really paying attention to the health and and uh, and everything else. So maybe this is the time to do this. Uh, cut cost to zero. Yeah. Have a good life as far as this is possible under these circumstances, and then uh, start something else or start again. Absolutely, and I mean, usually the reason why you can't do this is well, the other side, the investors, they look at your KPIs and. They want to see growth all the time. And there is a period where you like, literally did nothing. <laughs> But I think it's different this time. So this time, everyone will understand if you told them, hey, sorry, guys, there was just little I could do at that time. And I took the time to kind of regain strength. And in addition to that, also preserve my startup by cutting all the costs and just putting into it into a freeze mode. And yeah, now it's over, like hopefully in a couple of months. And we're fully focused now and I'm much healthier and much stronger than before. But please understand that I needed this break. I do hope that investors uh, will, will see that and will support that. Yeah, I agree. So these were your, your seven steps, right? Where we've gone through all of them. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, also, you can find them, find them with some more information, also some, some links. Um, for example, there's really good IT from Sequoia Capital on my personal blog or from my LinkedIn page. That's probably easier to find. <laughs> cool. Let's go back to the few remaining questions that we have. Um, it's actually just three. Not sure if this one is connected to the, the Corona situation. Um, um, I guess and hope not. What is the best advice you were ever given? Uh, maybe it's in the current situation from one of the investors. Maybe it's completely unrelated from, I don't know, a childhood friend. Uh, anything that comes to mind to you? Yeah, actually, yes. So. First, to give some credit to our existing investors, they give us good advice all the time. And also at the moment, there are some really good ideas that we uh, just recently implemented. So thumbs up, guys. Well done. But the best advice I was ever given was from uh, the university professor at my MBA entrepreneurship concentration who kept repeating his mantra, just fucking do it. <laughs> Just fucking do it. Just found your company. Yeah, whatever. And then don't complain. Just start. Just fucking do it. You have any uh, challenge ahead? Yeah, I see that. It's a pretty tough one. Yeah, but stop theorizing. Just fucking do it. Just start. So, and I think that's really the best advice that you could give, at least to an entrepreneur. Just do it. Just try stuff. Um, if you have zero idea how a situation works just just start somewhere and then um, uh, try to make a plan on the fly and be flexible um, i don't say that you will never ever need a plan sometimes it's it, it's it's worth planning steps ahead but still you should make every plan in a way that you know you will start implementing it really really soon Yeah, and uh, I guess it doesn't have to like look at things from a theoretical standpoint. Try to plan them forever so that everything afterwards will uh, will will happen as it's supposed to be. Uh, I think you just have to do it, and then also the the real struggles, the real issues will come up. So another reason why to just do it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. 
that's a, again a good connected to the next question I'm, I'm a, was about to ask what's coming up for you in the next couple of months i mean you partly mentioned that and you're throughout the interview already and now with the launch of the new part of the platform let's call it uh this um but anything else that uh, you think is worth mentioning here um yeah i mean it's, uh, it's always several areas so um i like to compare us to a sports team um where you have like in American football where you have the offense and the defense and uh, they work on totally yeah. different parts of the entire mission. So from a technical perspective, um, we're working on some really cool uh, improvements that will especially make the management of sponsorship much better. So everything we have there is still in a better version. And second, that will finally implement this real proposition-based automated matchmaking. So that's really cool. I'm really looking forward to launching that. And uh, the business team, the next couple of months, probably they won't make much profit because they will devote most of their time to mm -hmm. our help package for athletes and clubs, which will hopefully raise a lot of money, but, uh, well, yeah, not make any profit. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, I think it's uh, well worth it at the current moment. And I really, really hope that this takes off and we can help a lot of athletes. And yeah, and it gives you uh, ideally good good awareness, people testing your platform. Uh, so maybe then indirectly some, some sales is done as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I mean, we didn't start with this to get rich. I think otherwise we would have dropped out long ago. <laughs> Now it's moving to the right direction, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, we do, did this because we wanted to help athletes and teams. That was always the heart of our mission, like really why everyone is working for Sponzo. And so this is kind of reminding us a bit more of the core idea that we have, at least compared to like other types of sponsorships. So if we... Yeah, if we broker a parameter ad in the first Bundesliga, this is a really nice business for us, and I really enjoy this type of deal. Um, and I'm also happy for the team, but they don't need it as much as an amateur team or at the moment a Olympic athlete that currently has zero income because they have all of their income from tournament prize money or coaching, for example. None of yeah. at the moment. So that's something where we can really focus on why we why we started this. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about uh, the answer to the next question because uh, you so passionately speak about uh, athletes and and sports. So there's a clear clear passion there. Like I just said, um, the the very last question is in this podcast is um, what is your favorite sporting moment? Um, could either be something that uh, you witnessed in a stadium or on television or I don't know, maybe your own favorite sporting moment. So I'm very curious about uh, what is yours. Yeah, I I really don't have to think about that. I know it instantly. <laughs> um, I hope you don't have any any people who hear you from Brazil. Uh, if yes, you can stop the podcast now, uh, or just give the next thirty seconds. I know the answer. Yeah. No, seriously. I um, <laughs> like every couple of months, especially when I think I need a little bit of extra motivational push. I review the best moments from Germany's 7-1 win against Brazil in the World Cup semifinal. <laughs> And uh, it's, it's so awesome every time I review it. I seriously have never seen... I've, see, I, I've watched so much sports, but I have never seen any performance that is even remotely close <laughs> to this. 
that's definitely my favorite sporting moment. And um, if I remember back to the that World Cup, I mean, we we won the World Cup, we were world champion at the end, but. Uh, I was much, much, much more blown away by the semi-final win than by winning the actual final itself. Yeah. So that is definitely my favorite sporting moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I guess everyone in Germany likes to think back to that, even though <laughs> partly people were ashamed to um, to win so so dominantly against uh, the host of the World Cup, as you. Yeah, that's true as well. Um, but yeah. For me, being proud of what yeah. uh, what the team achieved is uh, always. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> cool. All right, Andreas, um, that's it for today. That was very insightful. We covered your company. We covered the Corona topic. We covered some great sporting moments. Um, that's all there is to do for today. Uh, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I will wish you all the best for your project. I will follow it closely and uh, yeah, um, talk to you uh, later this year when you hopefully move back to your office. Thanks was a pleasure talking to you and everyone who's listening, stay safe, stay healthy. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast with Benjamin Pankert. If you like our show, let us know and leave a review. And if you want to know more about us, check out sportstechx.com, where you can find our latest industry reports and updates. For a deeper dive into all things sports tech, check out our comprehensive database, SportsTechDB, at sportstechdb.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at SportsTechX on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Join us next time for another insightful conversation with a leader in sports tech.